As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this t-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstock Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink. And thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> What's up, guys? Back in the saddle again. I have finally returned after a uh, two-week absence. I want to thank everybody for all their their well wishes, their condolences, and and most of all for your patience uh, in in the time that I needed to take away uh, to get this thing um, to take care of the family business. And um, you know, we got that all taken care of. Um, we mourned and celebrated uh, my grandmother and uh, later to rest uh, last week. And, um, you know, those things are never easy. Um, but um, especially for, for me, it was a um, she was the, the last one standing. It's like I'm 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 fresh out of grandparents now. They're all gone. So it, uh, it's like that last little bit of your uh, childhood, you know, is. uh has been laid to rest once and for all. So anyway, not to bum everybody out, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're back here and, um, it's been an interesting couple of, uh, weeks. We had the victory over new England, which of course, you know, the bears do like our best performance in a long time. Uh, and they do it on the one week that I'm not going to review a game, uh, and everything, so I was a little bit uh, bitter about that, uh, as I'm sure you all understand. That, uh, like, of course they play like world champions on on the you know right after I said, you know what, guys, I'm not going to be able to do shows this week. I'm going to be busy with family, um, and they go out and and have their Super Bowl against the Patriots on Monday Night Football. So, yeah, that was something, and um, you know it was uh, then the Cowboys game. Became one of those those games where it was like, you know, 
Yeah, it sucks that we lost, but it was it was one of those things that I was asking for to feel good about the losses. Obviously, there was nothing to feel good about on the defensive side of the ball outside of like Eddie Jackson's interception uh, and maybe Jaquan Brisker's sack towards the end of the game. But you know, for the second week in a row, the offense looked good. Uh, moved the football, another two hundred yard game rushing. Uh, the football, Justin Fields, 17 of 23 and uh, two touchdowns and, and, and ran for one uh, as well. You know, we scored 29 points on offense. If we were going for extra points instead of the two-pointers, it would have been, a you know, another 30-point uh, performance back-to-back, uh, you know, after struggling to get the seven that we got uh, against the Commanders just two weeks ago. So tremendous progress we're seeing uh, from the offense, and of course, I wasn't around to talk about any of it. But uh, here I am. I'm back, and 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 hopefully we won't regress. Hopefully it's not me. Hopefully I'm not the problem, and that we go back to struggling to to be ten of twenty four in the passing game. Uh, now that I'm back and doing shows uh, on the regular. But um, anyway, guys, we got a lot to cover. We got all the trade talk around the deadline, the roster moves, and everything like that. We got new defensive captains, and apparently Roquan Smith is shocked that he got traded. We talk about that and a whole lot more, along with our good friend Brian Miller from Fansided's Finn Fanatic to help us preview Bears Dolphins. So let's dive right in. This is the Week 9 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the After the Patriots game, uh, later on that week on Wednesday, as a matter of fact, it was uh, got the news that um, the Bears traded Robert Quinn, uh, and it was it was rumored for the longest time throughout the offseason, even before uh, Ryan Poles was hired uh, as our general manager, made it through the entire offseason, even made it through training camp, and, and it was just just a rumor. Not even a really strong, solid rumor, but just a rumor that Robert Quinn was going to get moved uh, and everything. We get to basically midway through the season, and ironically, Robert Quinn had like probably his best performance of the year. He didn't get a sack against the Patriots, but he looked like the menace in the pass rush that he was last season, and um, you know, lots of uh, lots of quarterback pressures and and, and things like that, just uh, you know, causing all kinds of havoc for Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones uh, in the passing game uh, and everything. And then, you know, word came down on Wednesday. We got him traded. Uh, Fourth-round pick in 2023, which gives us two uh, in in next uh, spring's uh, draft. Kind of mixed feelings about it. You know, it's just one of those things you, you, you don't want to see a guy like Robert Quinn uh, go. Um, you, you, but at the same time, the production – is just not there. Uh, you know, as far as the, you know, the production, I, I don't think we're going to miss uh, a whole lot. I think this this hurts the team more, and you'll hear me talk about this a bit more during the interview with Brian. Um, I think this hurts the locker room more than it hurts the, the production on the field, quite frankly. Um, you know, we struggled in the running game with Robert Quinn, so, you know, he didn't really have... Wouldn't have had much of an impact on Sunday's game, I don't think. Um, but uh, you know, it, it maybe it did look like the guys were a little dejected playing out, playing without one of their captains uh, on Sunday uh, against the Cowboys. But um, you know, it, you you don't like to see him go. But it's it it gets another draft pick 
for us, and it's it boosted our cap number uh, for next year. It went from like 103 to like 120 or something like that after the Robert Quinn because we're going to save like 18 million on next year's cap by uh, by trading him off to uh, to Philly. And then what Philly did was they basically ripped up uh, Robert Quinn's contract. They're basically renting him for this season. He's going to be a free agent uh, in in the in the off season. They voided the last two years of his contract, and he's going to finish out the year. Uh, in Philadelphia, and then you know, make a decision uh, from there. So it's it's an interesting uh, situation. As a matter of fact, I just got done watching the Thursday night game. Maybe I wasn't really paying attention because you know Philly was starting to pull away there uh, at the end. I don't recall seeing Robert Quinn out there uh, too much, but um, who knows? Anyway, uh, fast forward to this past Monday after the Bears lose to the uh, Cowboys on Sunday. Uh, word comes out, Roquan Smith traded to the Baltimore Ravens. And I was like, well, there you have it. Um, he, this is a guy that uh, broke off negotiations uh, with Ryan Poles during training camp, was, was doing his hold-in uh, and everything. He reported to camp on time but did not participate in practices while they were going through negotiations uh, with, uh, you know, with each other and, uh, you know, on family on uh, family night, uh, releases a statement uh, on social media talking about how you know he, he accused Ryan Poles of, of negotiating in bad faith and um, or not negotiating good faith, whichever it was he he put it and basically said you know the, the only ones who can fix this now are the McCaskies. Basically saying he was going to go over the GM's head to get this taken care of. Uh, kind of thing, and that uh, you know doesn't feel like he's being valued by the organization, and he wanted to trade. So, come mid season, just before the trade deadline, it became it, you know it's been obvious to Ryan Pole since negotiations broke off in August that it wasn't likely that they were going to find a, a common ground because that was a phrase that was used several times by by Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus uh, on Tuesday when they they met the media after the trade deadline, and. Um, you know, that I guess it would be better to get something for him than to watch him walk away for free uh, in the offseason. And, um, you know, I'm guessing there was a big disagreement in what Roquan's number is. And we all know what Roquan thinks his number is. And I think you guys all know that I disagree. To me, he's, he's Allen Robinson all over again. You know, he's a guy that wants top-level money but when push comes to shove, he's not out there making top-level plays. Roquan Smith is an outstanding linebacker, somebody that I would love to see in, stay in Chicago and finish his career. He's a bear through and through. I, I, you know, I fully believe that. But he's not a $20 million a year player. He hasn't played like he's worth it. And, I mean, just this past Sunday against the Cowboys alone, that, that third and one play, um, we put on the run blitz. The you know we're coming from the backside. We're bearing down on Pollard. There's Roquan in the hole right there. It's him one on one with Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard makes a miss. He breaks through the line of scrimmage, and what should have been a dead to rights no gain at the line of scrimmage became a touchdown run for Tony Pollard that put the game away for good. So you know it's like look there's our there's our linebacker that thinks he's worth $20 million a year not making a play that $20 million a year players make again. So, I mean, he's had that happen to him several times uh, this year that we've seen, and he's, he's not worth the money. 
14, 15, 16, somewhere in that area? Absolutely. He's like second tier. You know, he's definitely worth teens a year uh, money, but not 20 million a year. He's not a reset the market player. That's not him. It's not him. He's not Shaq Leonard. He's not Fred Warner. You know, he's not, uh, you know, Bobby Wagner or anything like that. He's, he's not a guy that uh, you can rely on to make those plays over and over again. Whenever those moments come, Roquan more times than not comes up short, and that's not a guy that you pay top dollar to. He's just not. And I'm not trying to, you know, you know piss on a man's grave uh, or anything like that. I've, I've felt like this about Roquan from the beginning, uh, or at least from the beginning of this whole mess where, you know, dating back to last season, or hell, just go back and listen to shows uh, in 2020. Remember that game against the Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football? He comes flying through the gap, and yeah, he was there to make the play, but he overruns the play. The The running back cuts it up, and what should have been a four-yard loss in the backfield becomes a 15-yard run and a first down uh, for the for the offense. And there were several plays like that last year, and, you know, a handful of plays like that, if not more, this season uh, as well is like those are the plays that you pay a $20 million a year player make to make you give him that money because he's worth it because he will he will step up and make those plays in those moments Rokon's not that guy or at least he hasn't proven to be maybe he will be for Baltimore and they'll pay him, they'll give him his bag but um, he wasn't doing it in Chicago so we get a, set, a two and a five and another linebacker AJ Klein who Eberflus mentioned a couple of times in his uh, press conference, that's somebody he's had his eye on for a while. So maybe they already have a plan uh, for AJ Klein, and uh, maybe we'll see him on the field sooner rather than later. He's going to wear number forty-seven uh, for us uh, when he takes the field. And you know that was that was on Monday, and then we get to Tuesday, and you know the Bears have been sellers uh, up to this point. And around noon on Tuesday, a couple of hours before the deadline. Uh, closes. Um, my dad calls me up. I'm I'm sitting uh, on, on uh, sitting in here eating uh, lunch on my lunch break, uh, and everything. My dad calls me up. He's like, "Yeah, what's going on?" And it's like, "Well, uh, the Bears just uh, made a trade." I was like, "Really?" Was like, and at first, I got like a shiver down my spine because I was like, "Oh no, we traded Montgomery." It's like that. That was the rumor that it was like today we Montgomery. Maybe Eddie Jackson gets traded. These are candidates, you know, who the Bears could, you know, sell off for more, sell off for parts, you know, if you will. And he's like, no, we, we, we got a receiver, uh, Chase, uh, from, the, from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Chase Claypool. Like, wait, we, we got a player? And, you know, we gave up this, uh, the second-round pick, and everybody's kind of freaking out about the price tag that we, that we gave up a second-round pick for a guy drafted in the second round a few years ago. Number one, Ryan Poles evaluated what the free agent wide receiver class was going to look like in 2023, and it was going to look like us trying to give Christian Kirk $19 million a year to come play for us, you know, like the Jaguars. We're just throwing money at people. That's not what he's trying to do. Uh, he doesn't want to overpay if he doesn't have to. And, you know, maybe he did overpay in giving up a second-round pick, but, you know, versus what we would have had to contend with uh, in the free agent market, um, you know, it, it just wasn't. Um, and we had an extra second-round pick, so we still have one. It's not like we're without a second-round pick. That actually would have bothered me, that we gave up our only second-round pick to 
acquire Chase Claypool, then it would have been, I think, a lot more pressure on him. Like, he better be worth this if we're giving it up for him, uh, especially since it was our second-round pick, which at the moment would be like the 10th or 11th pick in the in the, in the the round uh, and everything. That's uh, You get first-round talent at that part of the, the draft in the second round. It happens all the time. So, you know... Uh, I was, I, but I became, once I heard it was Chase Claypool, and also when I heard that uh, Green Bay was in on it and we beat them out for it, mm, that was the cherry on top. I was like, okay, yeah, that's worth a second round pick to me. <laughs> that's worth a second round pick. We still have a second round pick. We got two fourths, two fifths, and we got AJ Klein uh, in the bag on this one. And uh, you know, I'm I'm cool with that. So it's. Uh, it, it it stung. It, it definitely took some sting out of it that we had a second round pick or, or an extra uh, to uh, to make up for it. And um, you know, having two twos would have been nice, but we still have a first rounder. We got a second rounder, a third, two fourths, two fifths. I'm liking that, along with uh, whatever you know, polls either requires if we get any comp- compensatory picks or anything like that. I think we gave our six round pick up for Jakeem Grant. Thank you again, once again, Ryan Pace. Um, and, um, we have a seventh rounder and I, th- I think the rumor is we might get a, a seventh compensatory pick. So we'll see, but we got what eight or nine picks right now. And, you know, we saw what, what polls did in the draft. Maybe he trades back and we get, you know, a couple extra picks and we got 10, 11 picks like we did last year or this year, I should say, see how that works out for us. But I'm very excited about Chase Clay's, uh, Chase Claypool. I'm sure I'll do that a thousand times trying to say his name too fast. He will actually wear number 10 because he wore 11 in Pittsburgh, which is already taken by Darnell Mooney. But um, you got the two of them together, and uh, Claypool and Cole Komet were teammates at Notre Dame. They are reunited uh, as well. So I'm very excited about the prospect of what could be happening uh, with that and how much Claypool being on the team could help Darnell Mooney because now he's not the one you know, threat that we have uh, in the passing game. And our wide receiver room's gotten pretty interesting. Claypool, Mooney, Nikhil Harry, uh, Byron Pringle, who's uh, returned to practice. I don't know what his status is uh, for Sunday. Um, uh, Dante Pettis and uh, Equinemius St. Brown. That's not a bad wide receiver room all of a sudden. You know, it's definitely a lot more interesting than it was a couple of weeks ago with uh, Smith-Marset and those guys. Uh, out there uh, taking the field. So, but speaking of of, of Roquan, um, I, I read uh, when he met with the media in Baltimore for the first time that he was shocked that he was traded, uh, which I think is the stupidest thing I've ever heard uh, for someone who publicly demanded uh, a trade, who spoke ill of his general manager and basically tried to go over his head to his bosses uh, to. Uh, you know, to facilitate a, a contract uh, with the organization uh, to, <laughs> to, to act like that you're just completely floored that they actually got rid of you, uh, I think is foolish, you know. And uh, it, it made me laugh when I read that, that, that he, was, he was shocked that he didn't see it coming and, and, uh, and all the rest of that. It's like, what, what, what are you talking about, man? You demanded a trade. You, you weren't going to be able to come to terms uh, on, on what you're looking for. Uh, so he, he shipped you off to get something for you rather than let you go uh, for free. 
uh, or have to pay you uh, top five money with a franchise tag because the franchise tag for an inside linebacker is going to be like 18, 19 million next year. That's in the ballpark of what he wants. And Ryan Poles obviously doesn't think he's worth it as I don't either, but you know, so I just thought it was, it was uh, funny that he was shocked that he was traded, that he, he couldn't believe that they, you know, they traded him away and all that kind of stuff. You know, I wish him the best uh, in Baltimore. Once a bear, always a bear. You know, he's a, he's a good kid and uh, he's an outstanding football player. Uh, he's just not special. Uh, like he wants, he wants to be paid like he's special. And I just don't believe that he is. Uh, or he, at least he hasn't played like it. You know, he's only in his fifth year. His best years could be ahead of him. Uh, who knows? But uh, they won't be in a bear uniform, uh, unfortunately. So, uh, in other news, I mentioned Byron Pringle. Uh, he's back uh, off of uh, IR. He is uh, practicing, I think, the calf injury uh, that he suffered, um, I think, in the Giants game. Uh, so that makes sense. Giants, Vikings, command. Yeah, four games. He's, he's back in practice. Cody Whitehair, also with the knee injury in the uh, Giants game. And it looks like Whitehair is going to play on Sunday, which would be nice to have him uh, back in the lineup throw him in there at uh, uh, left guard and, um, you know, still stuck with Mustafer at center because the football gods have a sense of humor. We finally get Lucas Patrick in at center, the position that we signed him to play, the position that he apparently seemed, you know, better suited for. And uh, what was it, the first, second series? He goes down with that toe injury and he's on IR, like, in the first quarter. So, yeah. Either that or... uh, Sam Mustafer signed a deal with the devil, you know, sold his soul to get back out on the field because I think you could count the plays that um, Lucas Patrick was on the field as a center with one hand and half fingers left over before he went down with that toe injury. Um, but, uh, you know, Jenkins is uh, solid at right guard and, and Larry Borum is still nursing the, uh, the concussion. And, and I thought Riley Reef played a, did a hell of a job against the Cowboys uh, on Sunday. So I'm not exactly sweating uh, Larry Borum uh, being out uh, right now. But Whitehair could be back. Uh, Byron Pringle is practicing. I haven't heard that we've activated him back to the roster uh, yet. But uh, we're getting some guys back. Our our injury report is light. Uh, I was just looking at it actually right before uh, we got started here. And, um, yep, yeah, here it is. Uh, Larry Borum has yet to practice on Wednesday or Thursday with the concussion. Uh, Kyler Gordon and Eddie Jackson nursing hip injuries. Both were limited uh, in practice on Wednesday and Thursday. And Tevin Jenkins, this one sent a shiver down my spine when I saw on Wednesday he was limited with a back injury, but he was full participation today uh, on Thursday. So at least it's not going to be, or at least it doesn't appear uh, to be anything serious. So maybe just given the, maybe he felt a little twinge and somebody with his history with back injuries, took it easy uh, on Wednesday and then was good to go on Thursday, so he was full participation. So hopefully that isn't something that rears its ugly head uh, and we got to go through that all over again. So Because he's, he's playing his ass off right now. He is, he is our best offensive lineman uh, on this football team. Uh, at the moment. For a guy who looked like he was going to be traded, didn't look like he was going to make the team, to all of a sudden being the best we got, that's a, that's a hell of a transformation in a short period of time. And, you know, him and Braxton Jones are doing great uh, right now. Uh, Larry Borum is a little hit or miss. 
Hopefully, Cody Whitehair can return to form when he's uh, back on the field. And then, you know, just pray for Sam Mustafer because he's awful. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's the injury report. It's light. I think everybody on the list except for Borum is expected to play uh, on Sunday, so no big deal uh, there. I mean, despite, the, despite everything, we've been, we've been one of the healthier teams in the league uh, this year. I was looking at the Dolphins list, and I'm, I'm sure that uh, – I'm sure they have guys that aren't on it, but Jesus Christ, there were a lot of names on that injury list when I was looking at it too. So, um, but uh, the Bears are healthy and raring to go, and hopefully, um, our offense is up to the task uh, on Sunday. And uh, finally, uh, defensive captains, uh, we we well, we didn't have any because we traded them away: Robert Quinn to Philadelphia, Roquan Smith to. Uh, Baltimore and uh, Matt Eberflus announced on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, one of the two, that um, Eddie Jackson and Justin Jones are going to be their replacements to be captains uh, for the rest of the week. And this week's honorary captain is uh, Jalen Johnson. So those will be the five guys that walk out to meet the Dolphins at the 50 for the coin toss uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm 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 excited to see. I don't know what to expect. Uh, I don't know how much of Chase Claypool we're going to see. All the headlines I read is that Luke Getzey is Luke Getzey and the team are, are are working hard to get him up to speed so they can play him as much as possible uh, on Sunday. Don't want him out there making mistakes or, or or anything like that. So you know maybe they'll have a package of plays as they kind of ease him into uh, the offense and and everything. And and I'm hoping that he and Justin can hook up a couple of times on Sunday to get him introduced to the Chicago faithful uh, in the right way. So anyway, that's going to do it for news and notes. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest, Brian Miller from fan It's Finn fanatic to preview bears dolphins for week number nine. Week number nine, our beloved Chicago Bears finally returned home to Soldier Field after a, I guess it would be a three-week absence, our last game at home being week number uh, six, uh, and in to visit, uh, f- you know, to well, the Bears will actually be wearing uniforms that I can stomach uh, this week. That'll be nice uh, when they host the Miami Dolphins uh, on Sunday. And here to help us preview this week nine matchup from the Finn Fanatic podcast, our website, excuse me, uh, from, uh, is it fan-sided? I'm all over it. Yes, it's fan side. I'm sorry, man. But Brian Miller, he's back from, uh, you know, we had a great talk with him over the summer. He's back once again. He's playing hurt, folks. So uh, let's uh, let's be nice. He's got a cough and something he caught from the from one of his kids. So he's playing hurt and helping us out. Brian, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks, Larry. It's great to be here. You know, it's been a, it was kind of gone by quick because we just talked, it seemed like, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, but it was right. Couple, five months. Few months ago, so yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was five months right at the beginning of June, wow. and here it is the you know the the the, the very beginning of uh, of uh, November. Yeah, so yeah. It's, uh, we got through all of summer and into the fall here uh, before we uh, before we got to see each other again. And uh, can you believe it? Week nine already? No, I can't. You know all the all the pissing and moaning we're doing in in the off season about man, football season just needs to get here and it gets started. It's like oh wait 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 slow down slow down let me savor and enjoy it's week nine already we're already at the halfway mark uh, of the season so craziness going on definitely 
And of course, uh, you know, the biggest news for our two franchises, we were very active during the trade deadline. Uh, you guys probably scoring the prize of the, of the trade deadline by uh, snagging out Bradley Chubb uh, with that last uh, first-round pick you got from the 49ers uh, when they moved up to get Trey Lance. I don't know if they're getting that return on investment, but you guys certainly are. That uh, the, Somehow the Laramie Tunzel trade turned into all of these extra uh, picks uh, and everything, yeah. and Bradley Chubb is, is the latest uh, benefit from that trade. Yeah, we still have a fifth-round pick left, I think. Um, that's part of that deal. But uh, that's kind of come from that deal. But yeah, Bradley Chubb's the last first rounder, and the other two were used on Tariq Hill and, and Jalen Waddle. So you you definitely can't complain uh, what what Chris Greer's managed to do with that uh, with that Tunsil trade. It's definitely crazy. You know, Bradley Chubb. I mean, that's a that's a big deal if he could stay healthy, and that's a big question too. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there was a lot of us here in uh, in Dolphins fandom that were. Kind of hoping it would be Roquan Smith that would be heading our way, and of course he did, and he went to Baltimore. So, um, you know, Bradley Chubb's not a bad, you know, uh, a bad stab at the next guy in line. So, right. yeah, I don't think uh, Ryan Poles is that bold that he would trade Roquan to the team that we play right. next. So, um, no. you know, he, he sent him off to Baltimore, who we don't see for another two or three years unless they fall into that seventeenth game uh, for us or something like that. But um, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, not only that, but, uh, you know, the Bears were, were mostly sellers. We sent Roquan, as you mentioned, and Robert Quinn away for, for draft picks. But then we became buyers pretty much at the last minute, uh, bringing in Chase Claypool uh, to add to the wide receiving course. And so now people can stop bitching about how Poles isn't helping out Justin Fields. Uh, he brought in, you know, somebody that people were after, uh, and the Bears won the bidding war to bring him in, keeping him away from Green Bay, which just is like the uh, right on top of all that. Uh, and then you guys um, sent Chase Edmonds packing to Denver, and then bring in uh, uh, Wilson from uh, San Francisco uh, to try to like boost the running game a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of people wanting, were hoping that it would have been uh, Kareem Hunt, mm. um, but I think that Wilson fits uh, better. He knows the system a little bit better. Yeah, um, obviously being with Mike McDaniel in San Francisco, um, so there's a relationship there. So there, there's a lot of positives with that as well, uh, with Wilson coming down. And I think he'll be able to slide right in and play this weekend. In fact, they're expecting him to contribute somewhat uh, in the game plan. And I don't see where that's going to be a big problem for him. Um, Wilson's one of those guys that everybody loves, uh, both as a teammate and you know the ownership and executive committee in San Francisco. They really like this kid, and they like his attitude. And, of course, you know Miami getting him is a, is a good deal for them. What did you send away for Wilson? Uh, was it a draft picks or – um, they gave him a, a fifth round pick uh, uh, in 2023. So, all right. So uh, dealing the dealing the draft pick. So we, so now we we try to bring this up to to present day. And you know when you and I spoke over the summer, we were talking about the, you know the the ball bouncing a certain way last year. You're looking at a completely completely different outcome uh, for the season. Maybe you know Brian Flores sticks around if you go ten and seven instead of seven and ten or eight and nine or whatever it was. Uh, for you guys, I think in in your losses, I think you and I just just looking at on the surface of it, could have been easily another three wins, which would have made you eleven and six or something like that uh, to make the the playoffs. But we we come forward to twenty twenty two. You have a new coach in Mike McDaniel. Uh, you go out and you get uh, Tyree Kill, looking to boost the offense to go along with what was a top ten defense uh, a year ago. Three weeks into the season, 
Uh, you beat the Patriots. You did this amazing come from behind win over the Ravens, and then you outlast the Bills uh, week number three. Uh, you're three and zero, and everyone's like, "Hey, let's take a look at the Dolphins here. How about these guys?" Yeah, it's um, you know, it's very interesting. The I think a lot of people were surprised with how well uh, Miami's offense started to click. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew the defense was going to hold them together early in the season. But we didn't know how how well the offense was going to be. Mike McDaniel's a, a run first type of coach. Right. He didn't have a running game. The offensive line was really bad, and it still isn't the greatest thing in the world. So your running game isn't as good. So you're really kind of relying on the passing game, and that's not something that McDaniel is is known for. But the addition of Tyreek Hill kind of opened up a lot, and once that happened, you saw Tua Tungavailoa get into a rhythm where he was able to utilize his quick reads and his quick release and hit the speed. Um, and I think that that's really kind of what catapulted the offense. They became um, consistent. Uh, they built confidence up. So the first three games, I think it was really, uh, they were heading in a, in a, in a superior direction. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason, you know, they lost the following three. Right. But if you really break it down, and then I hate to be one of those people that say, if the quarterback was healthy, they would have won. But honestly, I think if the quarterback would have been healthy, we probably would have beaten um, you know, those three games or won those three games because Cincinnati, we came within an interception by uh, Teddy Bridgewater from winning that game late uh, in the fourth quarter. Right. I think Tunga Vailoa being in there, I don't think it comes down to that. I think we're, we score a few more times because Bridgewater just has looked, in my opinion, he just looks like he doesn't even want to be out there anymore. Um, Against the Jets, you know, you lose Bridgewater in the very first play of the game. You go with Skylar Thompson, a rookie, seventh-round pick. Um, and he wasn't bad, but, you know, you're expecting a lot from him to go out and, and play against a team like the Jets. In fact, he was, he had him in the game all the way until late third quarter, mid-third quarter, when, you know, there were some drop passes and some fumbles and stuff, and that, that's kind of changed things around. And then, of course, the Vikings, you have Bridgewater back, and, and I heard I think it was Thompson that started. Bridgewater came in when Thompson got hurt. And again, Bridgewater just doesn't seem like he wants to be out there. But yet the game was still close for most of the game. Mm-hmm. So if you go back and you look at that and you say, well, you got these three games, Tonga Vailoa could have made a difference in them. And I say could have because we don't know for, cer- for sure. Right. But we know that once he got back, you know, here we are again, back on the winning side of things. You know, we've won the last two. Um, granted, you know, the Detroit Lions and, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but you know, you still have to play those games. Right. And you know, the lions got off to a quick start against our defense that played very poorly, but the defense shut them out in the second half, just like they did with Pittsburgh. And, you know, it, it came down to uh, Miami making plays offensively. And aside from one drive against Detroit, which was the opening drive, um, there was, uh, I think the Dolphins scored on just about every single one of their drives. So Miami's offense was clicking last week. Mm-hmm. It was just the defense needed to pick things up. Sure. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, entrenched in that, um, in weeks three and four, the, the controversy about Tua and whether or not he should have played on Thursday night against the Bengals, just a few days removed from him looking wobbly as he tried to come off the field against the Bills late in uh, in that ball game, And then, you know, like the worst worst case scenario is he takes an even harder hit uh, against the Bengals when he basically got ragdolled to the ground uh, on that one sack, and there he is, you know, that, that, that ugly thing that, that we that watch MMA, you know for sure is like, oh, he's out. He's out, hits the ground, the hands go up, and, you know, and, and right. they just hold him up stiff. 
uh, like that. That's that's somehow has become the universal symbol for I've been knocked out cold, uh, unfortunately. And uh, you know they got to wheel them off, take them to the hospital, the whole nine yards. Where did where did you sit with that? With the short turnaround, did you think maybe we sit to out uh, with this one? Give Bridgewater the small time that we have to prepare so he can be ready to go rather than coming off the bench cold uh, at that point in the game. You mean as far as, you know, where do I sit with him like playing between, on that? Third? Yeah, between weeks three and four. He's like, you know what, maybe okay. we shouldn't play no, two. No, I had no problem with it. Yeah. No, really? Okay. I had no problem with it. No, not, none at all. And, and one of the reasons is, and I've brought this up on another podcast, and I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I was a paramedic for 22 years. Mm. So I've seen a lot of, you know, everything from football injuries at a stadium where, you you know, you have to intervene, take them to the hospital, whatever, uh, to car accidents, that kind of stuff. And I can tell you that when Ted, when when – when Tua went down against the Bills and he stumbled, my first thought was not he had a concussion. Okay. Um, I was concerned. I mean, I sat up and I'm like, I'm kind of watching. Um, but when he grabbed the helmet, he wasn't like, there's, there's, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's just the way that some people are um, when you're staggering. And it seemed to me that it was something else, but I wasn't, I wasn't saying that it wasn't. It could have very well been a concussion. But when they came back and said that it was a back injury, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, definitely see it. Absolutely. Because it's kind of like a sciatic pain. If you, if you hurt your back and I'm sure everybody's done it, yeah, it's hard to get up and walk when you've got shooting pain that is flying down into your legs. Yeah. Um, and it's, so when they said it was a back injury, I was, I bought into it hundred percent. And then when the NFL investigated it and came back and said, yeah, you know, everybody said it's a back injury. There was no sign of a concussion. Um, you know, again, they still piled on him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as far as him playing Thursday, I didn't see any issue with that. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't think that there was a problem with him having uh, a concussion. Right. Um, you know, we were told that it was a back injury. I've seen back injuries similar to that, and I, I know that that's something that could happen. Um, I think for me, was what was more upsetting is the fact that there was absolutely no flags on the play that he got slammed down on the ground sure. um, in Cincinnati because you know you don't put a pillow under Tom Brady's head and you got 15 yards. Right, yeah, and I was going to say, and then you know, but the but the league made up for it in the following weeks, where they basically flagged these other roughing the passer calls right. that weren't roughing the passer uh, calls. Yeah. So it's like, hey, there you go, Tua, feel better now, you know. Next yeah, time, very inconsistent. You, yeah, next time we bounce your head off the turf, we'll make sure and throw a flag. My bad uh, on right. that one. So, but yeah, so it, I just wonder, you know, where you kind of sat on that one. I, I'm 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 sure that if I were you, I'd probably feel the same way. I would believe what the team was telling me, you know, it's it doesn't make sense for them to lie, especially with 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 a guy like Tua. He is their franchise. Right. He's their quarterback and everything. Why would you put him at risk it like that this early in the season? You know, if they thought he was okay, they're going to put him back out there. If you don't, it's only week 4. Let him sit out this week. Sure. Let him get his, you know, his his mind about him again and then we'll put him back out there against the Jets in week 5 uh, or whatever. It's like I'm sure I probably yeah. would have felt the same way that you did. Yeah, it's something else to consider, too, is you're talking about a short week of football. So right. Your practices are going to be light. But if he's got a concussion, he, you know, he's going to show signs of that concussion during the week. And he didn't. And he was he cleared the protocols because he still had to go through them anyway. Right. Um, so had he shown any signs, had the Dolphins had any concerns, um, I think they would have prepped Bridgewater a lot better than what they did, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think that that's one of those things where you sit there and you go, Dave really believed that this was a back injury. You know, if it was something else, Tua did a great job of hiding it, and that's on him. Right. Um, but uh, 
the image, the 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 image of, of Tua getting up and stumbling like that was not good optics. Right. And right. nobody wanted to believe that this guy got up um, with a back injury. Now, if you look at the hit that he took from Milano, it wasn't a violent hit. He got knocked to the ground. He didn't hit his head like massively on the back. He didn't lay there and roll around. You know, he started to get up like a normal person would. So, um, I, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it was, <laughs> it, it, you could go on and on and on sure, about it. Sure. But, you know, it, the truth is, is the real injury came against Cincinnati. Right. So, I mean, in, in the weeks to follow, you know, you had that Jets game where you literally lose Bridgewater, literally on the first play mm-hmm. uh, from scrimmage. And Tyler, you know, Skylar Thompson gets thrown out there, uh, it performed admirably. It was 19 to 17, and then it all came apart at the seams there in the fourth quarter with turnovers and everything like that. And what was a 19 17 game turns out, it turns into a 40 to 17 uh, blowout there. Uh, at the end, I mean, it was just like, wait, what happened? Because I remember I was like, oh, it's nineteen seventeen. Because I'd picked the Dolphins uh, to win the game. I'm like, okay, so I still got a shot at getting this one right, and uh, blah. And the next one, it's like, there's a touchdown. There's another one. This is like, what is going on out there? Yeah, it just came apart at the seams in the fourth quarter. There, yeah, it almost like I think they scored like two or three touchdowns within uh, the span of four minutes or yeah. something like that. It was something crazy, right? Um, but yeah, you know, you get you get. Uh, you have one play get away from you. Um, you know, the fumble, they, they turn it into a touchdown in the next play. It, it just, you're asking a rookie quarterback to go out there and make plays and bring your team back. And um, I think there was just too many errors around him. I mean, this is a kid that was driving the field very well, but, you know, you couldn't overcome the offensive penalties. He would pick up a first and 20 and, you know, it would end up being a first and 25, you know. So yeah. there was a lot going into that. I saw a lot, a lot to like about Skylar Thompson. I think he's got a good future uh, with the Dolphins as maybe the backup next year. Sure. Because uh, I, I definitely don't think Bridgewater will be back. It would be dumb if they did. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, again, you look at that game, you look at the Vikings game, and uh, it was just a, it was a bad three-game stretch. Yeah. And you know, the, the defense couldn't pull them up, and the quarterback carousel was just too much to, to overcome. And the Vikings game was really interesting because I watched the highlights of that one on YouTube. So I'm getting a 12-minute condensed version of a three-hour football game. But from the context that I got from the from what they provided was that the defense actually played the Vikings fairly well for most of the game. But then there would be that one drive where the Vikings would just drive it right down the field, score a touchdown, kick a field goal, uh, that kind of thing, where it's just like they'd be a, they'd be a steel trap for two, three you know, I think almost like the entire first half before the Vikings finally scored for the first time, but then they would just march right down the field and score. Then you would go back to shutting them down again, and then they'd come back down like three, four drives later and score again. It was really, really weird to kind of see like the the the, the Jekyll and Hyde thing with the defense in that game. Um, yeah, but I guess if you're if you're a Dolphins fan or if you follow the Dolphins, it's not so hard to to understand or you know to not understand it. Um, Miami, if I'm not mistaken, in that game didn't have Xavier Howard. He was out. Mm-hmm. We already have Byron Jones out. He's been on the pup list all year. Right. Uh, we lost Nick Needham, the backup starting cornerback that's been filling in for uh, uh, for Jones. In that particular game, if I'm not mistaken, we lost our undrafted free agent rookie, Cater Kohu, who went down. Um, Keon Croson also went down. So now you're looking at, I mean, I, I think that was the game that we literally had three healthy cornerbacks. 
Um, yeah, and you all had like of them a, were a skeleton crew it was, in the secondary. It, yeah. Oh, it it was beyond a skeleton crew because we've we had lost both of our starters, both of our backups, our nickel back, and then we lost one of the other three that were on there. So we had kind of started moving people around. Um, you know, the Dolphins secondary has been decimated by injuries this year, yeah. and they're just now starting to get some some of them back. Uh, but you know, when you don't have a secondary, we've got a, a guy by the name of Noah Igbenogany who you guys will probably hear or see quite a bit. He's number nine. Justin Fields will pick at him every chance he gets because he gives up a lot of yards and a lot of plays. Hmm. Um, he's just not very good. He's a former first round pick, but um, yeah, when you're when you're relying on that to cover guys like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen um, and Osborne you're not going to be able to successfully keep these guys down. Right. You've got to get pressure on a guy like Kirk Cousins, and sometimes it'll work. And like you said, three drives later, they're going to start attacking that weakness again, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what they did. Well, in that case, I give you guys credit because you showed great resolve for almost the entire first half, and then Vikings come down and uh, score, and then second half, pretty much same thing again three and out here, three and out there, and then touchdown drive uh, right behind it. So it was like, you know, it kind of makes me think the opposite. Well, not that I thought badly of the defense, but it was just like watching the highlights, it just seemed like the Vikings were struggling, 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 boom, touchdown drive. Long, sustained drive for the touchdown, then struggle, struggle, struggle. Then finally, you know, a, a touchdown drive kind of thing. It was, uh, you know, interesting to to watch. Even in that, that out-of-context 12-minute version uh, of the game right. where I'm not getting all the color that you just gave us there. But it's just like, you know, it was interesting to see that dynamic where it's just like the Dolphins look like a top 10 defense for these four, you know, drives in a row. And then, oh, then there's this lapse. Then there's that one, a first down. Here comes Dalvin Cook, you know, touchdown, you know, that kind of thing. So right. it, it was interesting to watch it happen the way that it did. Yeah, it really was. Um, like I said, uh, now that I'm thinking about it and you're talking about it, I think Xavier Howard was back, but he still was dealing with a groin injury that had it was he missed either the Jets game or the Vikings game and I can't remember which one it was mm-hmm. but um regardless he wasn't 100 percent healthy and, and still he's trying to, to cut these guys up but the rest of the unit was pretty much gone um and it's just it, it's very hard to win football games like that uh especially when you rely so heavily on you know a cover zero style defense um and you're constantly blitzing those guys have to be you know on point every time and right. if they're not then you know, those are big plays down the down the field because you don't have any. They're out there on an island by themselves, and uh, you know if you don't get to the quarterback and you give him time where he can make that dump third receiver, you know, pass, then you know th- those are big chunk yards. And I think that's kind of what we saw against the Vikings. We definitely didn't do you guys any favors, that's for sure. <laughs> well, they had, you know had already, you know, the, the we had, I think we had played them either the I think just the week before we had just played them. Yep. And, um, you know, they carved us to pieces in the first half. And Alan Williams, our defensive coordinator, you guys might want to pay attention to this. He is terrible in the first two quarters uh, of the football game. But watch out for those halftime adjustments, man, because we have the best second-half defense in the NFL. The only problem is that we give up most of our points uh, in the first and in, in second quarter. So if you guys can get off to a hot start like the Cowboys did on Sunday where five drives, four touchdowns, you might be okay uh, on Sunday, but once those second half adjustments kick in, you guys are in trouble. So it'll be go ahead. it'll be interesting because, like when we had talked back in June, yeah. you know, 
you were not, you did not have a whole lot of expectations for the Bears. No, and we're seeing a completely different team than what I think both of us had predicted for the team. Um, and you're right, their second half defense and whatever adjustments they're making, they're working. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic going into Sunday because you know Mike McDaniel is supposed to be this offensive guru, um, and he makes adjustments as well during the game. Right. So it'll be fun to watch this chess match uh, in the second half to see how, you know, Chicago is going to counter this uh, passing attack with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. But the thing is, if you take away Tyree Kill, which is nearly impossible to do, mm-hmm. and if you can find a way to take out Jalen Waddell, which is hard to do, then you got to deal with Mike McDaniel throwing Mike Gesicki at you. Mm-hmm. or throwing Raheem Mostert out of the backfield, and now Jeff Wilson, um, or Trent Shurfield, who has been very, very pleasant, big, big pleasant surprise for the Dolphins this year at wide receiver. So it's, it's almost like, okay, I dare you to take this away, but if you do, you got to deal with this. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, who wins that second half battle this week. Yeah. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest T-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground T-shirt. And it's very simple. you got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, Register for your points bet account and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this T-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstock Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink and thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's been, you know, maddening at times to watch. The, the chief example, I mean, not even the Vikings game, the week before we played the Giants. Uh, Daniel Jones does not have a wide receiver to his name, yet yet they are moving down the field scoring touchdowns against us because we're getting uh, shaken out of our boots like we've never seen a naked bootleg before. I mean, Daniel Jones made a career out of running against the Bears in that first half of the game. In the second half, it was virtually impossible for them to do it. But we, <laughs> we fell for it every single time in the first half. There goes Daniel Jones for 15 yards, 10 20, a touchdown, another touchdown, and so on uh, in the first half. But in the second half, after we made some adjustments, move this, do that, all of a sudden Daniel Jones isn't as key to his offense as he was uh, in the first half. And that's what's been frustrating was that, you know, the Cowboys this past Sunday, four touchdowns on their first four drives before Eddie Jackson picked them off on the fifth one just before halftime. In the second half, they only scored 14 points you know, as opposed to racking up almost 30 on us in, in the first half uh, kind of thing. I mean, they were more than yeah. we could handle no matter what. I mean, and with Tony Pollard just killed us uh, on Sunday. Well, let, me ask, football. let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Where do you see 
um, your defensive coordinator's options now with those adjustments without having Quinn and Smith back there, uh, you know, to help him. I mean, who do you have stepping in to fill those roles, and can they do that? Well, at, at, on the edge, it's it's going to be the rookie, Dominique Robinson. We're going to see more of Travis Gibson, uh, who was a good contributor for us in his first two seasons, uh, you know, at outside linebacker when we were still running the 3-4. Four threes more his natural position at defensive end. And then we brought in um, Al-Kadi Muhammad uh, to be the other defensive end. And I'm sure we have somebody else to come in and be the number four guy. Those guys were actually being more productive than Robert Quinn was. Quinn won sack in eight, seven games with us this year. Right. So he wasn't the sack machine that he was a year ago, double teams or not. You know, he found a way to fight through double teams and get 18 and a half sacks last year and this year he's got one in, in seven games before uh, we traded him uh, and everything. So it's as much as it for, from, in my opinion, Robert Quinn was more of a lost in the locker room than he was on the field. As far as productivity goes, you know, it was ironic. Well, we've had that, Robert Quinn too. So we know what that's like. Yeah. Well, that's true. And you know, it's uh, it was more, I think more of a blow in the locker room than it was uh, on the field. And it was ironic yeah. that he had his best game of the season against the Patriots, which would be his last in a bear uh, uniform. He didn't have a sack, but he was he was one pressure after another in that one. It's like that's what we brought this guy in to do. Where has this been? You know? And um Roquan, I'm not sure. We have some options as to who it could be. Uh we also got a linebacker in return, AJ Klein, somebody that uh, Matt Eberflew said he's had his eye on uh for a long time. So maybe, you know, they had him throw thrown in to the deal at the last minute and he could end up being that guy for us, I don't know if he's a middle or a, a, a you know a Mike or a, or a weak uh, side uh, linebacker or what have you, but uh, you know one of our preseason all stars, a rookie named Jack Sanborn from Wisconsin, he was a stud in the preseason. I know the preseason is the preseason, but you know, see if you throw him out there against you know real football players and see what happens. Uh, I'd be interested to see that. I, for for Roquan, it's probably going to be a a couple of guys as opposed to just one guy to take the spot. Right. Uh, for him as it was like with Quinn we just these guys that we've been wanting to see play will now get a chance to play now that Quinn is gone so but you know it, we'll, we'll see how that uh, impacts for me that where we need help is in the middle and I guess that's that's kind of what made Roquan expendable was that he's having his best season statistically leading the NFL in tackles but we've got the second worst run game in the NFL as far as stopping the run so he's having an amazing season and it doesn't matter because it's not helping us as far as stopping the run. We're 30th or 31st in the league and stopping uh, the run this year, and that goes right through him. And uh, he's getting all these tackles, but they're probably in the second and third level because I don't recall seeing Roquan make any many solid stops at the line of scrimmage. It just hasn't happened uh, this year. So, Interesting. You know, yeah. I mean, and, and there was one play uh, in, in the Dallas game, uh, third and one, um, the bears are down. I think it was 42 to 29 at that point. So we're not completely out of it yet. We still have a prayer, if you will. And, um, the bears put on a run blitz They're coming from the backside. So they're bearing down on Pollard as he's running to the left. Who's standing there in the gap to make the play. Roquan doesn't lay a finger on Tony Pollard as he mm-hmm. breaks through the line of scrimmage runs for the touchdown that would, uh, you know, put the game away completely 49, 29. Yep. Uh, at that point, and I and I and I actually tweeted. It was like one of two tweets I made during the game, sitting there watching this. And I was like, "Oh, look, there's a guy that says he wants twenty million dollars a year, not making a play that twenty million dollar a year players make again." So, 
You know, it's like Roquan's a special player. I have no doubt. He's not worth twenty million. He's not. He's not elite. You know, and I, I don't blame Ryan Poles for pulling the trigger and trying to get something for him because we'd have to either overpay for him and then have that white hot spotlight on him right. for the rest of his career for every play that he doesn't make. Because trust me, if you think it's bad now, it's going to be worse after he gets paid and doesn't earn it. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, I, no. I, I think it was a it was a cold but calculated uh, move for, for Poles, one that he, he admits he didn't want to make when he first came in, but one that uh, seemed like it was necessary after the whole – fiasco during the summer and that holding out and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So I hate to see him go because he, he is a bear guy, that's for sure. You know, I would have had no problems with Roquan being a bear for life, but, you know, it just didn't work out that way. So we'll see him in Baltimore and, you know, wish him the best every day of his career until we play him again. So sure. that's uh, how that works out. So let's talk about these last two games real quick, and then we'll finish up talking about Sunday. Um I got to watch like the second half of this Steeler game and they kept going on and on about all the opportunities. The Steelers missed in this one, like basically through a two or through four interceptions, every single one of them fell safely to the ground uh, one way uh, or another, you know, like the game could have been much differently if the, the Steeler defenders uh, weren't showing you evidence of why they play defense and not offense uh, in that one. I was at that game and I, I can, when you mentioned that I can picture all four of them, perfectly clearly in my head because I it was almost like I was zoomed in with binoculars <laughs> from my seat. Um, they were bad throws. Yeah. They were absolutely horrible. Um, I think out of the four, three of them were probably legit interceptions that, that were dropped. Yeah. One of them he would have had to have made a really good play on. But, um, you know, I, I kind of expected to it to be a little bit uh, um, rusty coming back. Sure. You know, um, I, I think that there's a, there's been so much pressure on the kid that it's not just about coming back. It's about coming back and being uh, at the level that you were hyped up after you won the first three games. You know, the, the comeback against the Ravens, um, beating the Bills. So I think he came back with the idea in his head that, you know, I have to be this, um, you know, 112 QBR-rated quarterback. Sure. Um, and, and I think he really tried to push a lot in there. Uh, you know, we also saw him take off I think it was in the first quarter, lower his helmet and shoulder yes, and drive into a, that's a right. Pittsburgh Steelers defender, yeah. not once, but twice. Oh, wow. um, and it was almost the proverbial, you know, middle finger to the NFL to say, you know, what are you going to do to me now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of those deals. And, you know, the coach yanked his butt across, off the side and said, hey, no more. You're done. All right. So they really had a, a big sit down with him um, after the game and said, look, we understand that you want to make plays, but you can't make plays from a hospital bed. Right. So, uh, but yeah, it was uh, <laughs> that, that game offensively, you know, but then again, you got also got to look at, there was one common denominator in this game, and that was Brian Flores, who is setting part of the game plan up for Pittsburgh. And I guarantee you, he told Mike Tomlin, this is what two is going to do. This is what he can and cannot do. Um, <clears throat> you know, and offensively, they were attacking Noah Igbenogany, and they were finding a lot of success right until the last play of the game. So there was a there was it was a chess match, and Brian Flores knew what he was doing. He knew the, some of the weaknesses on that team, and he used a, a, a very solid uh, defensive system to shut down uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and made Miami beat them in other ways. And right. unfortunately, 
they didn't take advantage of the opportunities that were given to them. Right. Yeah, it, it reminded me a little bit, uh, like the way that you said, you know, Tua may have been pressing a little, of uh, in 2018, Mitch Trubisky was out for a couple of weeks, and the first game that he comes back from was a Sunday night game at home against the Rams. And this was, you know, are, are the Rams the best team in this in this conference, or can we put our name on the NFC in this one? And he threw four interceptions, uh, or three interceptions uh, in that game. And the only thing that was better than the three interceptions that he threw was that golf threw four. So we were able to erase those mistakes by getting the ball back. But Mitch very much was, was trying to press and trying to help yeah. the team uh, make a play in, in this very big game and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And then thank God we had the, the literally the best defense in the NFL uh, that year that was helping, you know, cover up those mistakes that Mitch yeah. was making. Cause that saved us big time in that game. Yeah, and I also think that Tua may have been trying to prove something to Flores as well, knowing that he's on the other sure, side. Sure, sure, yeah. Best I've had. So I'm going to come out and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take some risks that I normally wouldn't take just to maybe, you know, give you that finger too. So, um, but, you know, the Dolphins came out with a win. Uh, it took them down to literally the last 30 seconds or 20 seconds of the game. Uh, but they got it uh, in ugly fashion. But, you know, a win is a win. Was that one in Pittsburgh or was yeah. it in Miami? It was in Miami. It was in Miami. So then finally we move on to the to, to to last Sunday. You're in Detroit and you know five plays 75 yards into the game you're down seven nothing. Uh, five minutes later it's 14 nothing. It's like, wait, what's going on in Detroit? What's is you know is, is, is has Detroit got Miami's number here or, or what was going on in that first half because the the Lions scored all 27 of their points in the first two quarters of that game. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, <clears throat> they had the fumble uh, in the first offensive drive for the Dolphins, or they would have probably matched up uh, score for score. Mm, okay. uh, and it was just it was just one of those things where you're just kind of like, am I really watching this? <laughs> um, you know, there was a friend of mine that I talked to uh, during the games. He's like the only person I actually will text with sure. uh, during games. And he's like, wow, we suck again. And I'm like, yeah, you're not kidding. Um but it was just, it was a very surreal uh, opening to that game to be down like that and, and not, you're just kind of sitting there the whole time going, really, we're down 14 points to the Lions yeah. already? But then at the same time, we kept saying, the offense is not playing bad. Our offense is moving the ball. Um, we had one bad play offensively. They had they had some atrocious penalties on defense. Um, Christian Wilkins, I think, was flagged two or three times for being offside. Um, and then we had, I mean, I think there was like a total of eight penalties that were declined in the game. Wow. Um, so it was just, it was just crazy. Um, you know, the lions took advantage of, of the dolphins defense. They, they looked at it and they said, okay, this is how they're going to play us. Uh, they're going to try and get pressure on us. Uh, they're going to try and get Jared Goff off his game and Goff picked them apart again. Noah Igbenogany really kind of was the, the focal point of that. And then when the halftime came around, they made adjustments like you, we had talked about earlier. Um, once those adjustments were made, the Lions didn't, didn't score again, and they didn't really come close to scoring again. Um, in that second half, Miami stayed within, I think it was seven points, uh, maybe ten points at the half. They got the ball back in the second half, and that, that was it. I mean, it was, they never looked back. Right. Uh, but, yeah, that, the, it, the opening of that game was, was absolutely absurd. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, it's you know you're sitting there and I'm and I'm watching the you know the Bears uh, Cowboys game and watching that one go disastrously in the first half, at least on defense. Anyway, watching Tony Pollard just play a game of Madden against us on that one. And, um, you know, but I'm watching the ticker and I'm like, 7 nothing Detroit, 14 nothing Detroit, 21 to 7 Detroit. What is going on in Detroit? What is seriously? Well, yeah. it's like the, the Lions in the last two games scored zero and six points in the last two games and they got 27 at halftime against the, yeah. against the Dolphins. Like, what the hell's going on out there? And then in, in, in the second half, it was. You know, I was like, okay, well, it looks like, okay, fourth quarter, Dolphins finally score again, made it 27-24, and then to score the touchdown with 12 seconds to go uh, to win the game, and because it was kind of like a surprise. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, well, it looks like I got that one wrong. Detroit's going to beat Miami. <laughs> and then, you know, the Bears game wraps up, and, and I'm looking at the scores for the for the early games, and it's like, eh, the Bears lost. Well, I, I wanted them to win, but I picked the Cowboys, so at least they got that one right. And, you know, look at this. I did okay here. It was like, what? Wait, Miami won the game. I'll be damned. They scored in the fourth quarter. Look at that. You know, it yeah. was it was. Oh, it was the third quarter. It third was the quarter. third quarter. My mistake. I'm looking at the the box score and it says 12 seconds, but they're right. It said big bold letters. It says third quarter. Dumbass. All right. Yeah. 31. Yeah. I was. I was just. I was just sitting here going. Okay. And I, I know I wasn't feeling well last weekend, but did I? Did I miss it? Like, being nope. I'm the one who can't quarter? read. That's the problem. Yeah. I'm just I'm not, like I, I could have sworn that it was like pretty much over with by the end of the fourth. But yeah. But um, it was. It was a surprise for me. I guess I wasn't paying attention because when I looked up the scores uh, after the Bear game, I remember being surprised. Like, wait, Miami won the game. I'll be damned. They did yeah. it. You know, good. I got that pick right, you know, and that kind of thing. I just was kind of surprised that it flipped like that. But you, you're right. It was, yeah, the, it second, was the third the quarter. Second half was, the second half was just amazing. Um, you know, Tua should have had four touchdown passes. One of them they didn't challenge. They should have. Um, it was clear that he had gotten in uh, – from the three yard line out um, on a pass, but you know, it, you can, who cares? You know, they scored the next play anyway, but um, his numbers were phenomenal. Uh, his, you know, and yeah. it's just, that's what you expected from him. It's what you saw from him earlier. So now the, the question is, is can he continue it? Because for Miami, you've got Chicago this week, you've got Cleveland next week, and then you got your bye week and then you play Houston. Those are three critical games because if you don't win all three of those, now you're traveling out to face, LA or to face the Chargers and the 49ers and then you got to go on the road to the Bills so you got three road games in a row against teams that are supposedly playoff contenders right. um, and then you come back and play Green Bay so these next three weeks for Miami is very critical sure 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 so we move on to Sunday and I'm, I'm wondering I'm, I'm hoping that my offense can continue to pick up where it left off because it was night and day from the Thursday night game against the Commanders to us uh, shellacking the Patriots on Monday Night Football. You're welcome, uh, by the way. And yeah, thank you. Um, I was going to thank you. I hadn't forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> finally, sticking it to Bill Belichick, beating him for the first time uh, against the uh, you know against the Patriots there, and uh, and then you know even in a losing effort, we score 29 points against the Cowboys on Sunday, and they were legit points uh not uh oh there's a pick six or there's a punt return or there's this that or the other it was nope we got the ball we drove it down the field we put it in the end zone or we kicked the field goal uh kind of thing so I've been very encouraged from what we've been seeing from the offense and in most cases uh you know Brian I think you'd agree with me you score 29 points you should win the game so um you know the fact that we gave up 49 would be the problem with that 
theory uh, right there. So if our defense shows up on Sunday and our offense keeps playing the same way it has been, I'm very interested to see how Sunday is going to pan out uh, in this, uh, you know, in this bo- in this football game. So, um, yeah, it, it is going to be interesting. It'll be the second road road game in a row, um, and you know that's that's always tough to win on the road once, let alone uh, two weeks in a row. Right. So, you know, there's going to be that issue. Um, Justin Fields is, a, I think he's he's going to start getting better now that he's starting to get some support. I think Chase Claypool is going to help him, um, <clears throat> but they still they still need to surround him, kind of like with Tua. Uh, you know, Tua was okay, and he was showing flashes, but nobody really bought into him. And then until they started getting him an offensive system that really kind of fit with what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Right now, what we're seeing is that Fields is starting to to get acclimated more to the system, and and I think it's going to make him a dangerous quarterback. He's very good at at scrambling and getting out of the pocket, and the guy can pick up yards with his legs. Um, so now that he's got another weapon on his offensive side, uh, you know he's gonna he's gonna use it, he's gonna utilize it, and and I think that that's something that's gonna be very interesting to see how Miami defends against that because mm-hmm. their their defensive philosophy is get as much pressure on the quarterback as possible, make that quarterback make mistakes, yeah, um, and play tight coverage in the secondary, uh, and you know if if Fields can take advantage of that, mm-hmm. then they're gonna score points. If he can't, obviously, he's going to make mistakes, and Miami will take advantage of those. Sure. Um, unlike uh, Pittsburgh, the Dolphins' cornerbacks are typically pretty good at intercepting the ball and holding on to it. So, um, yeah. you know, if, they, if the ball gets in their hands, uh, they'll they'll keep it. You know, they're 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 a good ball hawking defense. They have not put up the interceptions that we were expecting this year. But then again, like we spoke about earlier. There is so much youth and inexperience in the secondary right now. And if I am Matt Eberflus, that's where I'm telling Justin Fields, you attack this guy and you attack this guy and stay the hell away from that guy. Because right. that guy's going to kill you. These guys you're going to have a shot against. Um, so I would stay away from Howard, and I would completely concentrate on the other side of the field. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 inter- it's going to be interesting. I Like you said, I, I feel like uh, Justin Fields <laughs> has finally found his comfort zone. Uh, in this offense, um, one thing that I was really encouraged by these last couple of weeks was not so much the yardage that he's passing for, but the fact that we've gone from uh, 10 of 21 and 11 of 23 to 17 of 23 and 19 of 25 and, and things like that to where he's hitting more of his targets. And when you have that, the yards will come. I mean, look at what Tua did last week. He was 29 of 36 for 382. So when, right. when you're when you're hitting more than you're missing, you know those yards are going to come. You're going to hit one of those plays and uh, and and th- and things like that. And you know when you're going up against this high risk, high reward type defense, where you're trying to get to the quarterback as quickly as possible, you're leaving your corners out there uh, on, on an island. Um, you know, good things can happen or it can be disastrous. I'm very interested to see which one it's going to be. Uh, on Sunday because I think Chase Claypool can not only just help Justin Fields, but he can open things up for Darnell Mooney uh, as well because there's been nobody to help Mooney in these first eight games, and now Claypool's not somebody that you can ignore on the other side, which means that some of the attention that's been going to Mooney is going to have to get shared a little bit with with Claypool, and that could open things up for Mooney to be the weapon we thought he was going to be uh, all yeah. year. So, I mean, it could be uh, very uh, – 
very uh, you know explosive for the Bears. And then to see if that strength against strength matchup, which way it's going to go as far as your run defense and our rush offense, the number one rush offense in the league, number five uh, rush defense, you know, which one of those uh, bricks is going to fall off the wall first? Yeah, it'll so. be interesting. And like, you know, with Claypool, um, I'm not overly concerned about him this week because we just faced him two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know what he's, we know how he runs his routes. We know what his capabilities are. And then you put him in the Chicago offense and he's not going to really know right off the bat. Yeah. Um, so most of his routes are going to be, I would have to imagine, are pretty vanilla mm-hmm. uh, for right now. Um, so I don't think there's going to be a ton of surprises in that regard. And I think the Dolphins will know how to, to cover him because they, they know how he breaks and that kind of stuff. Um, the running game is a completely different story. And there's a lot of Dolphins fans that are really worried about that. You know, Miami's run defense isn't bad, but we give up big plays. And if you pound it down our throats, you're taking away the heart of our defense, yeah. which is getting to the quarterback and forcing you to make mistakes. Um, if you find success in running the ball, uh, we're going to be on our heels. Uh, you know, the Dolphins are a good swarming defense, um, and they can and they can do well stopping good running backs. But we also give up a lot of yards. Like, you know, we saw Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, it, it's one mistake. It's one overplay where somebody, you know, Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator, says, all right, they're going to pass it, and you don't. You know, you're all in and there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, again, it's going to be a very interesting chess game on both sides of the ball. Like you said, you're rushing attack against our rushing defense. The second half defensive uh, uh, adjustments that your DC makes mm-hmm. and what Mike McDaniel does. So there's, there's a lot to like as a football fan in this game to yeah. watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited uh, for it because, uh, you know, like honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the Dolphins to win this one. Uh, on Sunday, but I think it's a winnable game for the Bears. So I it just I think that you know if the matchups work out, if we can run the football like you said, and how that can counteract the defense uh, and everything that you guys are trying to do, uh, you know I, I think it could be uh, you know I'm I'm hoping we're looking at another one of like last week's game against the Lions as far as it being close all the way uh, throughout, so that it's interesting and you know you're invested in the fourth quarter as opposed to. You know, getting ready for right. what the late games are going to be and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, so, I don't know. It's going to be it'll be a fun game, that's for sure. All right. Well, I think uh, think Brian, I'm, I'm I'm done making you hold in your coughs uh, and things like that. So uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll let you go and and wish you the best on Sunday. Where can we uh, keep up with you uh, in the meantime and uh, read your stuff? Uh, Finfanatic.com. That's p h i n p h a n atic.com um and uh yeah that's, that's it you can follow me on twitter at the same handle all right brian thanks so much uh for hanging out with us uh get well get well soon uh avoid uh germy three-year-olds that you got running around the yeah. house and no you know f- flu infested football sons that you have out there as well yeah, right thanks so much <laughs> uh we'll, we'll talk to you again soon all right larry thank you As always, want to thank my guest Brian Miller from Fanside. It's Finn Fanatic. Uh, appreciate him for uh, not only for taking the time, but to uh, to uh, you know play hurt for me. Uh, he's uh, he. I mean, he was warning me as as early as uh, Sunday 
that uh, he might not be up for uh, he might not be up for doing the show with the way that he was coughing and and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I've been checking in with him. You know, do I need to get another guest kind of thing? And it, it was getting better. It was still bad, but you know, he survived and uh, he made it through. I only had to, he only had like one bad coughing fit that I that I ended up honestly editing out of the uh, interview. But uh, outside of that, man, he was a champ, and uh, we had a great conversation talking about this uh, interesting game that we have uh, upcoming on Sunday. So let's get to our keys uh, to the game here. And I think the most important one, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is we got to win on third down. That has been something that has plagued the Bears uh, this year uh, on defense. And, you know, two prime examples – would be the Vikings game and this past Sunday against the Cowboys, where both of these teams were like 85 to 90% third down conversions. I mean, they showed a graphic at one point. The Cowboys were 9 of 10 on third down. I think maybe they were 9 of 11 or something like that to finish the, to finish out the game. The, the Vikings, uh, that one Sunday, 12 of 15 uh, on third down. It's like you can't win football games this way. We got to win on third down. We got to keep the mistakes to a minimum because I'm sure that a few of those third downs were some kind of penalty or, or, or whatever that allowed those things to happen, uh, or at least in the Vikings game uh, anyway. But we got to win on third down on defense, get off of the field, give the ball back to our offense, give them more opportunities. So winning on third down will be extremely important, if not the most important thing this defense does outside of, you know, uh, sacking to a, or enforcing any kind of uh, takeaways. Um, getting off the field on third down is just as good as turning the foot as you know, getting a takeaway, turning the football over and so on. Uh, we got to win on third down. We have to be a lot better there, not just this Sunday, but you know, as we go along uh, in this season, that's been a problem for the bears all along and uh, all season long. And that's something that needs to be improved, you know, post haste. Um, also on defense in the passing game, if you can't get to the quarterback, get your hands up. Tua is legit 5'11". Okay, he's not this booming or he's not this towering quarterback that can see all that well over uh, the line of scrimmage. And, and you know, just get your hands. I mean, look what we did to to Bailey Zappi. Uh, you know, in that game, Bailey Zappi's maybe six one, six feet, six one, something like that. Uh, how many balls did we bat down? Uh, in that football game, just getting your hands up. You can't get to the quarterback, get your hands up. You might be able to bat one down or, God forbid, bat one up so that we can come down with it on the back end uh, kind of thing. So, I mean, that is going to be extremely important in the past, the rushing game. If you're not getting to the quarterback, get there with your, you know, get your hands up, maybe get a piece of one, you know, either knock it down or, or knock it up into the air for one of us to come and get. And, um, you know, it, it's just going to be about the awareness, uh, you know, where you are on the field, how long that, you know, that, that clock has been running in your head. Is it time to get your hands up uh, right now? Because you don't want to do it too soon because then one of those offensive linemen give you a nice little shove in your chest bone and next thing you know, you're looking up at the sky uh, kind of thing. But, you know, you want to time it just right because you're most likely going to pay for it uh, if the lineman in front of you is worth anything. So, but get those hands up, get that ball batted down. And, uh, you know, let us fight another play here or get us off the field uh, to go along with my third down uh, key. And then offense, 
we just need to keep doing what we're doing uh, on offense. Obviously, there's some things that we're going to be that we can do better. Uh, offensive line needs to be better in pass protection. Wide receivers need to get open ASAP so Field can get the ball out. You know, um, as you heard, you know Brian talking about this is a it's a high risk, high reward defense. They're going to be sending the house. They're going to blitz, which means their corners are going to be out on an island one on one. So our guys need to get open. They need to get open fast because if if you it's I always go back to that like 2011 Cowboys game. The Cowboys, you know, in the early going, like the first couple of drives, just pinned their ears back and came right at the Bears, and they were decimating that offensive line. Cutler was sacked like three times in the first uh, two drives or, or whatever it was. Maybe it was more. But on like that third drive or whatever it was, Cutler uh, hits Greg Olson, of all people, uh, on a hot route, and next thing you know, Olson's running like 60 yards for a touchdown. It's like, and after that play, the Cowboys took their foot off the gas. They weren't pinning their ears back coming after us anymore. If, you know, if, if we can hurt the Dolphins early on one of those plays where you know, they're sending the house, the middle of the field is wide open, Darnell Mooney comes across on a, on a slant route, you know, Fields hits him perfect, boom, he's off to the races for a big play. You're only going to have to beat them like that once or twice before they take their foot off the gas and, and start you know, backing up a little bit, maybe playing a little bit of zone instead of coming at us with all this man coverage and the high-risk, high-reward blitzing uh, type thing. So we need to be sharp on offense. Offensive line needs to do its job. Like I said, receivers got to get open, and Fields has got to be true with the ball uh, getting it out. So those are the keys. Why well, kind of blew through them pretty fast tonight. <laughs> but, uh, you know, very simple, very direct, very to the point. You know, get off the field. We got to win on third down. If you're not going to get to the quarterback, get your hands up. And on offense, be sharp. Be smart, be quick, decisive, and, you know, the, the, the good things will come. So, yes, I am picking the Dolphins to win this game. Unfortunately, I just think they're uh, the better team. But like I told Brian, this is a winnable game for the Bears. I think we definitely can win this game. Will we? That's the real question. So, uh, come back on Monday and we'll find out, was I right or was I wrong? Did the Bears pull this thing off? And uh, you know, get the win, or are the uh, were the were the Dolphins you know able to get to field? Were they able to stop the run and and uh, you know all that kind of stuff? Were they able to you know have a track meet against us with all that speed at wide receiver and and light up the scoreboard? And was was history uh, on the Miami side once again because they just one of those teams that has our number? So come back on Monday and find out uh, with the Week Nine review episode. And until then. My name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.